Hi everyone, welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Earth. I'm your host, Becky Escamilla, and today's guest is author Mike Sims. Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Earth, Mike. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Well, thank you for having me. You're I'm welcome. very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad. So, uh, before we really get into things uh, and talking about your books, for those listeners who haven't read your bio info on our intro post, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been uh, writing short stories since I was uh, in my teens, but in uh, 2015, I finally published a my first novel, and uh, I've been writing uh, a series of books called the Vicky series of books, and trying to get those publicized and, and out there. And uh, th this is, it, it started out kind of as a hobby for me. I've worked in the, uh, in the IT field for many years, but uh, uh, I really want to get into writing books uh, full time. And, and I got a lot of, uh, starting to get some traction on them. And, and this is, and here I am. Nice, nice. You know, um, it's so difficult to get into publishing a book. So when it came to publishing, was it difficult to get your book published? And uh, how did you go about getting a publisher? Well, it's like a, a lot of people when you're new, you don't know where to go and what to do. It's uh, you, you read a lot of blogs and, and, and so forth. And, and of course, there's the big five publishers, which is your, your perceived goal was to get published by them because uh, they're the gatekeepers uh, to the bookstores and everybody. But they won't talk to you unless you have a literary agent. So I solicited my book on its merit to uh, 500 literary agents and was turned down by every one of them. Oh, my gosh. Uh, even uh, I had a celebrity friend of mine that actually wrote a book and had a literary agent, and I asked her, could you recommend me to your agent? She said, sure, and was still turned down. So I realized that I was more likely to find Bigfoot than I was a literary agent. So, <laughs> Right? <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I went ahead and I solicited my book to uh, what they call second-tier publishers, which are, don't require agents. And they're, they're kind of on the cusp of being a publishing service and a publishing house. And didn't hear anything for a long time. So I self-published on Amazon, which was free and easy. And then I got contacted by Tate Publishing. And they, they said, you, uh, we want your book. But they charge a retainer, a large retainer, which uh, I I totally agree with their their business model because they are incurring all the cost and everything. But uh, so I negotiated with them and they they took my book and they, they had me going and uh, had it published. Uh, I, I worked out two more books in the series uh, right after that, and then they fell into um, legal problems. And so now the uh, the founder and the his son that was the CEO are facing uh, eight counts of uh, felonies for <laughs> all kinds of things. Oh and, my gosh! And they they have thirty thousand authors that were uh, with them that are now, you know, lost in the in the in limbo. Right. So I went ahead and started my own uh, publishing company. Okay. And realized I could do all this stuff myself. I learned enough from them and others that, you know, now I can do it all. I and um, 
I had the sage uh, advice from uh, s- several best-selling authors, um, Vicki Abelson and, and uh, Greg Copeland, and uh, also the Houston Writers Guild, which were instrumental in, in helping a lot of a lot of filling in a lot of the gaps I didn't know. Good, good, good. Well, sorry to hear about your previous publisher, but glad it led you to opening your own publishing company. Now, uh, for all those other writers out there that were part of the previous company, have they uh, or have you considered signing them on with you and, and publishing their books? It's uh, it's something that I that I wanted to do. I'm not I'm not prepared fully to do that yet. Uh, I do want to publish other people's stuff. And I want to do it in a way to where uh, they're empowered to control their destiny. I just all I do is hold their hands to the point to where they get their book out there, and then they're in full control of marketing and doing whatever they want with it. Um, as opposed to uh, Tate and, and several others, they they want to control every aspect of your book. Right. Yeah. And. Um, uh, a, a lot of them were left out, and like I say, left in the cold, and were surprised when Tate went under because then they uh, they couldn't get their files. Oh my uh, gosh! But however, uh, this was back in January when they finally uh, fell uh, apart. But I left them in October because uh, I was watching them very closely, and they had all their printers and printing equipment repossessed by Xerox uh, for lack of payment. Wow! And so. I was monitoring them to see where they were going to start printing their books at. And they went to Ingram, and Ingram is the de facto distribution network for book publishing. And uh, when I saw that happening, I knew their end was near. And so I contacted them, told them I wanted to leave. And they, the, the VP of sales contacted me and, you know, why, why do you want to leave? And I said, well, because you just went to Ingram. And you're going to make the books returnable, and which which means that they allow bookstores to buy their books on credit, but whatever they don't sell, they return the books, and you and Tate would have to pay for. And I knew that thirty thousand authors and who knows how many books each, when they make them returnable in ninety days, when they get the bill from Ingram and they don't pay it, they're done, and that's exactly what happened. So. Wow. Well, you know, it's a good thing you were keeping an eye on it because a lot of authors don't take the extra time to do that. And now, look, for many of them, they were just ill-prepared. Oh, my gosh. That oh, it's, is- it's, it's a horror story. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a sad story because I've met some of them personally, some of the other authors, and they, uh, some of them have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on media packages and still didn't get any of books still haven't got their files, uh, but the uh, Attorney General of Oklahoma is devoted, uh, has actually brought so many people just to deal with Tate. It's incredible. Lots of complaints. Wow. And that's where they're located in Oklahoma? In Mustang, Oklahoma, yes. And, you know, and, and like I say, I, I've, I've talked to um, uh, some of the other people in the family that, that own the place and run the place, and, and they were very nice people and, and legitimate people. Uh, I, I personally didn't have a problem with them, but I just knew that they weren't – that what they were doing was killing their business. Right. They weren't able to hold on. Wow. Yeah, wow. they were in a definite death spiral. Yes. Yeah, that's something. 
Well, the good news is you got out in time. Most excellent. Now, for those listeners who are new to learning about you, can you tell us uh, about uh, each of your books, the titles, and briefly what they're about? Yes, the the first book I wrote was a a book called Victim, and like uh, like uh, all my books, they started out of short stories. Uh, I never it started out in 2005. I wrote this. The short story popped in my head about a, a woman that uh, named Vicky, that uh, she was a, a victim of assault, and she was uh, attacked by a guy named Tim, and she decided to revenge herself upon him over years and in in, uh, in in a dark comedy way. And so I wrote the uh, story, and as I wrote it, it took a life on its own and it became very dramatic, and it ended totally different than what I I originally anticipated and i stared at it and said this is this is not a short story this is a a real book but i had no idea how to write a book so it sat for eight years and then one day it just popped in my head i know how to write this story now so i wrote my uh i wrote it over two years of time different drafts and had my friend uh, nicole antani that uh was just uh my cheerleader in life uh, you know, and she, you know, she was helping with the editing, and she had her uh, her mom, who was a literary professor, retired, uh, help with it, and and then I had other people contribute that I asked uh, that were lawyers, and uh, another lady that was a famous astrophysicist that had been on TV a number of times, contributed to uh, another character, and uh, and it came together, and uh, and I, I that's when I started submitting it around. And when it finally got published and people started reading it, the first question was, is, you know, where did this, how does Vicky character become like this? And you, you briefly touched on it, but we want more. So I decided to write a series. So I wrote the Made Victim, uh, which is short for Vicky and Tim, is uh, actually book number four out of a five book series. And I started writing Vicky which starts her life from age eight to her first jobs out of college and then uh, followed it with Valkyrie, which is her taking on an evil corporate game and uh, in helping with a, a major issue with a mega church. Uh, it's kind of a two part story. And now I'm, I'm writing, I'm almost done writing the, the between it and victim, uh, the next book, which is going to be called Violet and where she attracts a, the attention of a very powerful, old money, wealthy, politically powerful woman that becomes her nemesis. Uh-huh. Wow. And I and I created that character because I actually had two guys uh, literally chew on me for hours about how strong Vicky was, that she was too strong, too smart. And I was like, how, th- how can it be? And they were like, well, she, she's not nice. I said, I never said she was nice. She's not politically correct. She just dispenses her brand of justice on people and things that she thinks deserve it. And so I created Violet to show what a really bad person is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they'll, they'll quit complaining about Vicky. <laughs> right, right. You've got something to do to complain about. <laughs> right. 
do you have um, any future plans? Because this sounds so interesting. So already I already want to see this in film somewhere. Uh, do you have any future plans, actually, to bring your books to life in the form of a miniseries or a movie? Well, yeah, actually, uh, when I finish the series, uh, the final book, uh, which will actually show where Vicky, what this has all been leading up to, what her final destiny really is, uh, what life has prepared her for. And uh, it's uh, originally, uh, the the book was actually meant to be a screenplay. And we were trying to show it, uh, uh, me and Nicole out there as a, as a TV series and push it as that. So it's... Uh, that was already in place, but you know nobody's going to invest in anything unless you, you know, you're a bestseller and you've got a big audience and everybody loves it. So it's got to build some traction, and that, and and we'll, but we'll keep pushing it and trying, and uh, because I think it would make an excellent TV series, a uh, very powerful TV series. It's uh, I've had a, a lot of people uh, tell me a lot of stories. Uh, their personal stories after reading my books that was very humbling that I'd actually moved them that much. Oh, very inspirational. Yeah. Now, um, because you, you do have a, a day job, plus you are an author, <clears throat> how does your family feel about your present author? It's, uh, you know, my wife and daughter have been, you know, very been a tremendous inspiration to me uh, in backing me and believing in it in everything I've done uh, with the book writing. They, uh, it's it's inspired uh, my book writing has has actually inspired some of my family members to write books, uh, and uh, my daughter especially has uh, started writing her uh, first book at thirteen, oh, wow. and she's now got two books to gift and uh, and germs out. And writing a third, and so I'm very proud of her. Uh, and uh, Melinda's, um, my wife Melinda's got a uh, a marketing degree from University of Houston, and she's uh, been instrumental in, in marketing and getting a lot of good ideas out there, uh, getting it known. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's 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 a, a winning team behind me. I just, I can say that. That's excellent. And you know, I'm so happy to hear that your daughter is an author too, and that you're able to inspire her in that manner. And not only just inspire her, but help her to actually get a published book done. Because uh, it's, as as you say, it, it's a difficult road, but she's learning now, and she's getting her books finished, and, and that's good. Um, for people who are interested in purchasing your books, where can they go to order? And are your daughter's books available too, or are they going to be available soon? No, they're available. They uh, all everything's available online on any uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, any bookstore online, Amazon. Uh, they, I have, um, uh, like I say, you get them anywhere online. They, I, I don't have them in, in bookstores because it's it's hard to get them in bookstores, but um, but. You can you can get them in any version, paperback, audio, uh, hardcovers. Uh, I just released the audiobook version of Vicky, and Victim is coming out soon, uh, which was narrated by Brenna Hobbs, uh, excellent uh, voiceover actress. 
and um, also some of my books are being translated in other languages uh, right now. One of them is in Spanish and the other one's in Portuguese, uh, but they're being translated in Japanese, Italian, you know, uh, right now. That is amazing. Well, congratulations on that. Well, Did you get you. a service to do it or, or how'd you go about getting it translated? Yes, there, there are some services with Amazon and other companies that uh, you can share royalties with uh, the people that are doing the work with you. And it's uh, uh, you get the right person and it, it just comes together and it's, it's a nice service. Nice, nice. Well, um, when it comes to uh, writing books, you've got this series of books. But do you ever think you're going to get into writing any sci-fi or, or UFO books? I mean, you know, people, many people may not know this, but uh, you, too, have worked actually within the UFO field. I mean, it, it's definitely quite an interesting place. Um, but um, can you share a little bit with us about your past history in the UFO field and if you're ever going to release any any books along those lines? Yeah, I I actually had some idea uh, for a, um, a UFO-related uh, novel, and uh, my my based on my take and theories on the phenomena, and it's uh, my my brother Daryl is a full-time UFO researcher and and quite famous in that field, and he's been all over the world and worked with governments and everything else. So. I used to work with him in the mid nineties, um, managing his marketing and websites. Uh, and that was, uh, uh quite interesting. And, uh, he's, um, uh, being behind the scenes of watching him on his TV shows and things. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I do have, uh, some plans to write a variety of different novels and, um, uh, not just, uh, I've, I actually have another one that I'm almost completed with called, uh, uh, Southern Cross, which is a uh, it's a novel about a a, uh, a boy a poor boy that lives in a village in Mexico that uh, discovers something that changes the world, and it's from a short story I wrote many years ago, and I and everybody loved it that I shared with on a blog a long time ago. So I'm very proud of that one. Well, you know. Um... <clears throat> And in, later on, when you hear the archives of this show, because you will, everything you talked about, everything was perfect, and, and sound quality, everything, until we started talking about UFOs. Then we started getting <laughs> all the sounds. <laughs> so you're going to hear all those sounds like computer, uh, little sci-fi robotic sounds. Uh, I did not do that. Wherever it came from. <laughs> It just happened. They're, <laughs> they're interfering. <laughs> right? It's just a show, people, a show. <laughs> but I just had to say that because when we go to hear the archives, you're going to hear it. I mean, flawless until you started talking about UFOs, and then that was it. Yeah, they're messing <laughs> with us. Right, right. Um, have you uh, ever had an actual... UFO experience? You know, I've seen, I've seen probably a dozen, uh, you know, unidentified things, what, whether what they were uh, or not, I, I don't know. Uh, but I've, I've seen some very unusual things. Um, and the, the most unusual 
is around when I was about 10 years old. And my, uh, I was standing in the middle of the road and had a, uh, a feeling to, that said, don't turn around. And I disobeyed it because it didn't make any sense. And I turned around and I saw a, uh, a triangular craft that was um, about 30 feet in di uh, diameter, silently moving slowly uh, over my house. And had um, the back of it had uh, uh, two uh, red, medium-sized red lights on the ends, a very large red light in the middle, and four white lights in between the red lights, and they were pulsating back and forth. And I watched it as it disappeared past uh, the house, and then I ran uh, behind her house. We had a sun deck that was very tall and I stood on, and I could see this thing moving at an incredible amount of speed off into the distance in the horizon. Uh, I told my dad about it. My dad was a, he's a, he was a Baptist preacher. And, uh, and he, uh, of course he, he didn't believe in UFOs. And I was very adamant that I did see this and this did happen. And so he asked me to draw it. And I drew it and he, uh, he looked at it. I said, well, that there it is. That's, that's a jet. And I said, I don't think it's a jet. It would have tore the, the roof off the house, and it was moving slowly and silently. Right, right. And so he, uh, he actually contacted my older brother, Daryl, to come down and straighten me out. And, um, and so when I told Daryl the whole thing in front of the family, and uh, that's when Daryl started revealing some of his experiences. <laughs> so it was not a good day for Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so being a Baptist preacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was there was only two definitions and that was angels and demons and so it had to be demons. And I, you know, I I said, you know, you know, maybe dad, but I don't know. All I know is I saw this. So right. And what's interesting, you had a telepathic communication from whoever it was. It was it was a parental feeling. It was it, it was a parental type thought in my head telling me not to turn around, and that's what didn't make logical sense to me. Why would why would something be telling me as if as if it was my parent? Right. That interesting. Very interesting. After that, um, you know, I, I like to ask this question because a lot of experiences happen when we're children and UFO experiences to certain individuals. And, and as children, um, you know, we're so pure and innocent and, and we just don't have any preconceived notions about a lot of things. So when we experience something after that, and I say we because I've experienced things, I started as a child too. I mean, after that, um, you have more experiences. Um, what happened to you after that? Did you have strange dreams? Did they visit you? Did you start to see other activity on occasion? Or did life forms, while you were awake, actually come into your presence? Not so much like physically, but where they would uh, just show themselves in a spirit form. No, I, I, I didn't have any of those kind of experiences. I did see other UFO type things uh, that were very strange. And uh, there was, uh, 
at that time, when I was a kid in, in Lago Vista outside of Austin, there was a, uh, a UFO researcher that had, was by the name of Ray Stanford, and he had a thing called Project Starlight International. And he was kind of mimicking Dr. Ellen J. Hynek and, and Hynek's uh, 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 grad students that followed him, uh, Project Blue Book. This guy had, was actually uh, had government grant money and, and quite a bit and had grad students and was doing a lot of serious research. And he was uh, based out of Austin, and I, and I used to bug him to death uh, as a kid. And uh, as I did um, Bergstrom Air Force Base, whenever I saw something unusual, I'd call them and ask them their radar unit, what is that? <laughs> so they, <laughs> I'm sure they got tired of me. Um, but, you know, I was fascinated with the subject when I was a kid. And, uh, but, uh, but Ray Stanford had uh, speakers, and my, my mom was gracious to take me to these meetings. And I got to meet Bruce Maccabee for the first time. And Bruce Maccabee was a government photography expert that had a New Zealand UFO uh, event filmed from a plane that he was going around and showing. And uh, this was a, a very, um, it, it was very enlightening. Uh, Ray was a very interesting guy. I think that uh, I had heard rumors that he had um, kind of fell on the wayside and through some controversy. But then later, uh, went back to his first love, which was uh, archaeology, and ended up discovering some bone or something that actually changed uh, some aspects to evolution. So uh -huh. he, he kind of got vindicated at the end, I guess, of his career. Very interesting. Um, did you find yourself uh, uh, being pulled more into, well, I would say, it because once you start with UFOs, I mean, you just can never leave the field. Even though you go and write other books and things like that, did you find yourself working in the field? You you ended up doing some work for your brother, correct? That's correct. Yeah, he back in the in the mid nineties, he was uh, he was had a lot of popularity with uh, some uh, his implants uh, studies and uh, certain objects, and uh, there was even a. a uh, an alleged uh, piece of Roswell craft that that uh, he was working with that uh, you know that we weren't sure what was, but he had studied, and so he was very uh, he was very popular and at the uh, in that time and the and was uh, was speaking everywhere and was getting uh, like I said, he was getting reports uh, from even governments asking him what his take is on uh, on these different events. So he was uh, he was uh, ex extremely extremely busy, and I was very uh, fortunate to be able to do uh, uh, work with his videos and his uh, website and marketing and stuff, and and uh, and help him coordinate with the, these things, and um, and then I you know handed off into to other people later uh, as I moved into my own arenas of things, but um, but yeah, it's it's to me it's it's a fascinating field. You know, I, I, I my hats off to Daryl. You know, making a career and being able to to successfully make a career out of it. Uh, he's been on he TV shows and he's had his own series for a while called Uncovering Aliens. Uh, but um, uh, it's I don't know how he does it. It's uh, a lot of energy to do that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. It is. 
Now, um, going back to um, your childhood, because you did mention your dad was a Baptist minister. And um, did you ever find, because I was raised uh, in church to my, I was raised by my guardians, my sister and my husband, and he was a music director for the church. And, you know, they always try to have you, you have to uphold a certain standard because you're always being watched all the time. And uh, as a child uh, growing up, it is very interesting type of lifestyle, but did you ever find that you were exposed to any type of paranormal activity or anything like that, other than the UFO sighting that you couldn't uh, really discuss with your, your dad? Well, the, the the UFO thing was very concerning to him. Um, you know, he. He humored me for a little while about it. You know, he showed me a passage in Ezekiel of a wheel within a wheel. And he said, you know, there's your UFO. And uh, and I and I started to, and it actually put me on a track to to kind of explore some things. And, uh, and then I would start asking him questions. Uh, you know, why does this say this and this say that? And uh, he was... Um, uh, he he became like I say he became very concerned, especially with the, the sighting thing. But uh, most of most of the events that that I personally experienced was was seeing things you know happen in the sky. Uh, later, like in my twenties, I worked at um, was uh, driving down the road in in town in Austin, and there was a silvery object in the in the uh, sky. It was a partly cloudy sky. And uh, heavy traffic, and I thought it was just at first glance it was a helicopter, you know, one of those glass, you know, bell-shaped helicopters. And until the thing flew down very quickly and then straight back up through the clouds, and the entire line of traffic stopped. It it it, it shocked everybody. So those are the kind of things that are a little hard to explain, uh, whether you believe in them or not, <laughs> you know. So when it comes to your character in your book, do you suppose she's ever, is her nemesis going to be like a UFO person? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> just curious. Well, actually, you know, as, a, as kind of a homage to my brother, I, I did have uh, uh, Vicky in, in the book, Vicky, uh, see a UFO. And, oh. one, of, and one, of her, uh, one of her people that helped her along was a was a professor of astronomy and uh oh, no. and he he tried to explain explains things in a very uh uh, uh supernatural way that she's not used to vicky the character vicky is very it's kind of agnostic kind of um you know she doesn't quite believe doesn't she doesn't really know or sure uh maybe it is maybe it isn't you know that's she's kind of the middle ground on a lot of things but everybody around her is the extremes and beliefs of of all different viewpoints. Uh -huh. Interesting, interesting. Now, uh, <clears throat> I've been reading your book, and even growing up, you've had very interesting, interesting uh, different lines of, of work. Um, I read something about a protein powder. Can you tell us a little something about that? Oh yeah, I worked at uh, I 
I was in a uh, multi-level marketing thing called Neolife, and uh, and it was um, I had a, a very interesting experience. I was uh, a teenager, and they had one of the things I saw was a protein powder, and there was a a, a company that was sold um, a weight loss chain of weight loss centers, and I I managed to get one of the regional managers on the phone and and. Uh, Told her that I had a protein powder that was um, uh, superior to everything on the on the on the planet. <laughs> so I just yeah. was bragging about it, and she says, uh, and she says, "Oh, really? We'll send me a can of it. And we'll find out." I said, "All right then." So uh, I sent her a can, and she actually called me back, and said that your stuff is better than what we have, and can we relabel it? And I was like, I'm 16 years old. And I was like, uh, let me talk to my people and I'll <laughs> get my people to talk to your people. And so the next weekend, I happened to be going to, um, went to Dallas and Neil Life had a big seminar there uh, with my family. And, and I met the owner of Neil Life and I told him what I did. And he laughed uh, so hard. And then he wrote down, uh, on a piece of paper, the president of the manufacturing facility for the protein powder. And he says, I will talk to them. He says, they'll be expecting your call. You give them the information and they will, they'll take it from here. And they actually worked um, a deal and, I, and it started selling for a little while. Unfortunately, the, the weight loss center uh, place went bankrupt, the whole chain, but uh, I did make the sale. So. <laughs> nice, nice. I saw you made a good commission for that. And that's yes, sixteen. That's very good. Um, eight years before that, I saw that you landed a job in a computer company. Um, when it came to computers, because that's a young age when it comes to computers, and you're able to to work on them and uh, and and things like that, uh, did it just come naturally to you? And do you still, you know, do you still work with computers? I still work with them. The, uh, the, the job you're talking about was, uh, was actually in Laga Vista. And I had a, uh, a, a good friend, uh, uh, Todd, that uh, his dad owned a computer company. And, he, and I used to go visit uh, the computer company and ask the programmers questions. And his dad offered me a summer job to work there. And so they they sold these computers called TI-990s, which were basically $10,000 each, and they were huge and heavy. And my job was to put them together and, you know, and test them and see if uh, they were working, copy the uh, manuals, put the software together, and then ship it to the customer. And this was the summer of my eighth grade year. So I had uh, a lot of responsibility, and they were selling about 50 of these things a month. Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. It was my first real IT job, and the, the owner actually taught me basic programming, and I I made a a couple of games. Uh, I made my own blackjack game, and even made my own Star Wars game. Uh, so I, I probably made one of the first Star Wars game computer games ever made. So it was it was kind of funny, but um, they uh, uh, after the summer. I was um, I, I took away all a lot of uh, valuable experience, and I've been in the computer industry in my adult life 
uh, pretty much ever since the Radio Shack and Dell computers and yeah, on and on. You know, I find that interesting because if you look at eighth graders at the time you're in eighth grade, um, <clears throat> you had to have been excelling uh, much quicker and in a, a, a much faster rate. Because I noticed this about, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but when children are exposed to UFO activity, it, to begin with, you're exposed for a reason. They're always chosen. But even so, you are you excel in a lot of things a lot quicker, and you're really intelligent in those things. And as you move on in life, as you get older, at some point, you're able to utilize those skills for when they need you to, uh, in whatever way, be it to inspire people, help people. Um, it's interesting, very interesting. That's why I want to point those two things out because you you did accelerate. Um, in an advanced manner, uh, more than children your age at that time, or even teenagers. And you're just very smart. What can I say? Well, hey. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I've I've been called many other things, you know, but uh, <laughs> smart usually is followed by uh, words after that. But uh, the, but. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate it anyway. The, um, but yeah, I've I've had an aptitude, uh, I guess, for computers, and and I, I've always been worked with them in one way or another. And so, and that's really helped me, uh, culminating even in the publishing, because I can do uh, book covers. I know how to use Photoshop and know how to make videos. I've made my own book uh, video trailers, and so it's uh, uh, I, it's it's fascinating to me. It helps you along the way. And, you know, I absolutely just love your site. It's a very, very nice site. And it's easy to navigate. And uh, I, uh, I really enjoy um, graphics there. And is that your, your logo? Uh, the, the wings with the heart. I just love that. That's, uh, that's actually the, I, the, that was the first logo. Uh, the first book that I actually designed, I wrote the book and with Tate, but I actually designed the cover because I, I wasn't happy with what they were doing with the covers. And the first two covers, Vicky uh, and, and uh, Victim, they actually designed. And I, I have the, the rights to them, so I continue to use them. But um, but I designed the that logo and uh, bought the rights to the, the the wing design and then i modified it into a the helmet into a shape of a heart because that's a the personification of, of vicky the character and also it falls in the symbology of of the character because uh i wanted her name to be a v name because v the shape of a v is a, a very ancient feminine symbol symbol and even the Valkyrie symbol is the shape of a V. And that's that was all done intentionally because Vicky is a very strong feminine character, very indomitable, powerful. It's amazing symbolism. It goes all behind this too because people just look at it and, okay, they don't really take into consideration and normally wouldn't, but it's amazing and I'm glad you shared that because because it, it's just amazing. And um, uh, how much thought 
went into your book, not just writing it, but also in the titles, the cover, the artwork, and that logo. That's an amazing logo. It's amazing symbol. Well, thank you. you that, make a good yeah. tattoo. Oh, yeah. Be a, be a temporary one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a temporary yeah. edit, possibly. Well, I, I even have it as a sticker on the back of my car, too. So. Right, it's, right. it's very, it's very eye-catching. Yeah, very nice. Did you do your website? I, I see the rose petals falling. It was just so soothing. Just amazing. Yeah. Actually, the the first uh, two book trailers that show up on the website were made by Tate, and uh, and they, you know, that that's very nice. But the the one with the rose petals falling on the rose was the first uh, book trailer that I made, and uh, and was narrated by. Uh, Eva Campbell Morales, uh, which is a, uh, a, a pretty well-known uh, voice actress uh, in her own right and did a lot of commercials, uh, particularly around in, in Texas, uh, for a lot of chains of stores. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, uh, she did a phenomenal job uh, doing the narration on it. When it comes to books, I know we've talked about this before the show, but uh, you know, I'd like to see if you could share it with listeners. Um, your books have, and I know you can't name names, but that's okay. Uh, but your name, your book, you've got some awesome, amazing friends who are very supportive of you, and will put your book in the hands of some amazing people. Can you share a little bit uh, with us about that? It's a. Uh... You know, Nicole was, uh, she, uh, she's been evangelizing, you know, my books from the beginning and, uh, she's an amazing friend. I have, uh, I, I over a, uh, a tremendous amount for her enthusiasm and her belief, uh, you know, even, even more belief in my books than, than I have at times. Um, but she's, uh, uh, she's an inexhaustible, uh, star of uh of light uh trying to get them out there and i just uh it's in, it's incredible the uh, uh but you know the uh, one of the big things for me is is maribeth and, and melinda my wife and the daughter have uh been behind me and believing uh, uh even through some of the most hardest of times uh standing by and, and and staying with us, uh, staying and, and keeping me, you know, writing and keeping me on on the course to doing all this. And she's, um, uh, you know, Melinda's a, she, you know, she reads all the chapters as they're written. And uh, she she has no, um, uh, she's my biggest critic and my, and my, and one of my biggest fans <laughs> as well. But she, she'll tell me, you know, She'll tell me if it, you know, the, you know, this is absolute crap, or you know, this is, uh, or this is good, and um, and she's a, uh, you know, she's expressed her concerns over certain aspects because these books are very, they deal with a lot of harsh subject matters, and we've had, uh, we've had one instance where, I was, uh, uh, Vicky had made a was trying to goat somebody into a, into a fight with her, to expose how mean this person was. And she made some very uh, uh, bad remarks <laughs> against this person's <laughs> lifestyle. And Melinda was like, wait a minute here. You're going to have people protesting you if, you if you put this in here. And so I said, well, let's put it to a focus group. So I, I, I got friends of mine that 
were uh, had this lifestyle and some that weren't. And and the ones that weren't said, you know, we know it's harsh, but it's germane to the story and we, we understand it. The ones that had that lifestyle that was uh, slurred against uh, said uh, that was absolutely the funniest thing we've ever heard. Don't you dare take it out of that book. <laughs> we love it. And this is, you know, this is, it's important because you're, you're bringing to attention a lot of issues that, that we face and it's important. And I said, well, thank you. Ah, amazing, amazing. Well, we're glad you proved the attention. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw a picture uh, on your website. Um, you got to meet Val Kilmer? Yes, he, uh. He was, uh, he's doing a, a tour of his uh, Mark Twain show. And uh, he, he doesn't do the live uh, show anymore, but he shows a, a film, a 90-minute film of one of his live shows. And then he comes out before and after, you know, and, and does a Q&A. So we had a chance to meet him, and I gave him a copy of Victim. And, uh, and it was, uh, he was very gracious and very nice, and it was, it was very nice to meet him. I see his socks. Yeah, that was fortuitous. <laughs> He's wearing the color of my books. <laughs> I tell people that he prepared for my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks great. The whole photo, all of you look great in this photo. And I just think it's so standout, you know. You've got your cover and then his socks and shoes. Very cool. What's <laughs> <laughs> nice to you? to take the photo with you and talk with you tonight. Have you heard yeah. any feedback about, uh, any feedback from him as of yet? If so. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't know if he read on or not. He's, I know he's very, very busy um, doing his tours and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I've had, uh, I've had some feedback from some people that, that are known that have read uh, uh, some of my books and uh, from, uh, everybody from some of our country singers to actors and uh and it, it's it's very humbling that they they have actually taken an interest in and appreciated it um uh, very humbling um and, and about your your parents um are they still living number one and number two if they are thank you uh, have they read your books? It's uh, my dad passed away when I was 16 of ALS, and uh, but uh, my mom she's read my books, and uh, you know she's uh, she, you know she she likes them and uh, she hasn't um, uh, she looks forward to anything I write you know and, and reading them, but uh, uh, she's. Uh, it, and it, 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 I'm really happy with the, the, the support I, I get from, from family members because, uh, you know, some of them don't read this kind of genre stuff and uh, it, it's not their type of books, but they, they give it an earnest read and give me a, an honest opinion uh, of what works and what doesn't work. And, and um, I mean, how can, you, how can you ask for anything else? Right, right. Has she become popular, more popular among her friends? Because you're a published author. You know how things can be. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, it's a, you know, people ask, you know, family members ask, you know, what, you know, uh, about what's going on and everything. And so I, I hear about that sometimes. Aww. And, but, you know, and, and again, that's very, that's very humbling that they, that they take an interest in it. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I, I'm very fortunate with, uh, with a, a great family. It's good because you really do need good, uh, some good moral support. And it is important to have, especially family, to be there with you to help see you through because it is difficult. I mean, it is, there's so many people writing books and, and then trying to get people to read them. You know, you it's your work. And especially when you put years into it, it's just something that's awesome. It's, it's hard. It's, uh, I mean, they're, they're basically about 700,000 books published a year. So you're, you're a drop in the ocean. Uh, most countries have about a 5% readership, uh, except for China and India, which actually has a 10% readership. And you have, you have those kind of statistics. You, you know that it's, it's an uphill battle. Uh, there's a lot of brick mortar uh, bookstores that, uh, are failing and, and even the publishing industry is taking a big hit. Uh, things are changing quite a bit. Uh, Amazon is doing very well though. Uh, they are doing a lot of things right uh, in the in those ends to capture a lot of the business. Uh, still, it it is very very hard to build an audience to get people known. I mean, uh, you you the the key uh, for any writer to get to get successful is to write a lot of books. You can advertise them to death. You can do all kinds of things, but it really, you have to write books because one book will catch on and then everybody will start writing all the other ones that you read, but wrote before that. And, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, I'm going to write this book, put it out there and I'm going to make a zillion dollars like JK Rowling or EO James or these people. And those are lottery winners. Those are the people that, wrote something and then it just blossomed you know but that the chances that happening is one in a zillion so you're you just got to write a lot of books and uh and enjoy yourself you know it's um it's it's all about you know having having fun with it um do you find that you do uh better with word of mouth or the advertising Authors live and die by reviews. Uh, even bad ones are, are better than none. It's uh, you. That's how people gauge whether to buy something or not. Uh, they, uh, you're, you're going to get bad reviews. Uh, you can't let it discourage you as an author. Uh, if you if you look at every book that is a classic today, and you look at the reviews when they first came out, almost every one of them were horrible. But they but they became classics eventually uh, because the authors kept writing books and they built an audience and somebody finally read it and got it. I understand what they're talking about. It's uh, in my my writing style is very visual. It's not conventional like uh, like a lot of well educated uh, writers are. And I, I've never claimed to be a a writer so to speak, but more of a storyteller. Because I have a general idea how how the story is going to go, but when I get on the computer, put my headphones on, it plays like a movie, and I'm just dictating. 
I don't even know what the characters are going to say or do except for the general storyline as it happens. So it takes a life on its own. Right. You know, I like that you say that because um, when they do those kind of books, no matter how humble they begin, they have staying power. Yeah. It's like a certain energy uh, about them. Now, um, with your first book, it, it like you said, it took a couple of years. Um, every book that has followed, have you found it to be less time in writing it now that you've pretty much found, uh, well, like your niche, you know, where, yeah. so where it spits in? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of, of uh, uh, you know, learning curve, uh, how to write. And like I say, it took me two years to write Victim. <clears throat> but the next book I wrote, Vicky, I wrote in 30 days. Oh. And Valkyrie, I wrote in 45 days because I already had the characters in my mind. I already knew what they were going to do, how the story was going to go. I already know how the, the fifth book uh, is going to be like. And uh, I, I even have a spinoff series that I'm going to do based on Vicky's granddaughter, uh, a five book series on that. And I know how the, that entire series is going to go. You know, just you talking about it, I can just feel a certain vibe, a certain energy. And and that's amazing because I don't always feel that with certain projects that other people have. It just really all depends. But when you feel that vibe, it's like you're on your way to something, something uh, much greater, something much better. Uh, that you're going to be where you say you're going to be. And right. it's, the hardest part was over with the two years. And now... Even though, you know, you've got certain things in the works for uh, people looking at your book for possibly, possibly making it into a movie in the future or a miniseries. Um, it seems like it's just about to happen, like, just right there. And um, that's what I like. I'm going to get into this series of yours, that's for sure. Most certainly. Well, um, I hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like it's going to happen, and I'm usually not wrong those vibes. So let's see. When it happens, just let me know, right? So you can come back to the show and say, hey, oh, this is what's happening. You'll be the first to know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I will so be going to watch it. I'll be announcing it on your books. show. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. That's true. Um, now, when it comes to writing, um, do you have any... Any type of tips for writers out there who, I know you've been through discouragement and you've had your family there to help you and friends. Uh, if there's people out there who don't always have a support system, do you have some sort of advice for them uh, how to just continue on no matter what? It's, uh, you know, I've had, everybody in the world has told me that they want to write a book, but they they don't know how. And I said, the, the, the way I see it is if you're, a hiker, and you know that you've got to hike to this mountain. The first step to getting to the mountain is just taking the, is just starting walk. Don't worry about failing. Just start walking. Just start writing. Just just start putting sentences down. Don't worry about that they're grammatically wrong or you're making mistakes or it's not working out the way you thought. Don't get frustrated. Just write. Just put it down. And then you can work on perfecting it in drafts. Um, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna need to use an editor to polish it up. 
um, you know, that, that can happen later, but you got to put your, put the feeling down. And if you, if you put the feeling down on, on, in that book, it will convey to the reader. I don't know how, but it does. And, um, it's, uh, you just gotta, just gotta make the, the steps to do it. Um, it's interesting how you talk about words and how it conveys the feelings. It's amazing how written words can convey feelings and, and people pick up emotions. Um, as you were writing your book, um, first time out, even as you go back and, and do your drafts, did you ever get caught up in the emotion of the character? Uh, get get caught up with the, the emotionally with the character. Yeah, what, or feel what they're going through. Yeah. One minute you forget it's a book. <laughs> yeah, it, because like I say, it's playing like a movie, and there there are literally times that I've I've sat there and just horrified at something that's going on, uh, and empathizing and you know and, and tearing up of something that that's horrible because um, like I say, the, the Vicky books are very harsh in in instances. And uh, there's a lot of real life, actual real life experiences that have actually happened to people that I have permission to, to write about anonymously. So some of the events in there, and I've been told by uh, some people that read it, oh, that, that, you know, that's all made up. You, you could never, that would never happen in reality. And I was like, actually what you read did happen. And uh, uh, they are very real experiences. And some of them are very, very difficult, uh, particularly uh, because there's some that deal with uh, uh, the issues of rape. And I was very, had to be very, very careful of trying to convey the, the trauma and the feeling of that without making it a, you know, uh, something that would be a, a how-to guide or whatever. And I had two two ladies that read my book, and they said that, it was almost like reading their their event, their rape events, and their life story, and it it just um, and I I just I was blown away, and they thanked me for the um, for writing that, and uh, that that to me gets very emotional. Yes. That's true. Before we move on, for those listeners who are taking part in our telepathic transmission experiment. Today's word is street. Now, back to you. Um, can you please, for our listeners, let them know what your website is? It is uh, it's www.mazaroff.net. It's uh, M-A-Z-Z-A-R-O-T-H dot net. Uh, and I, it's my domain, Mazaroff, is, uh, is actually a the Hebrew word for uh, <laughs> the 12 signs of the Zodiac uh, I've had for a long time. So that's the name of my publishing company and everything. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Um, well, thank you so much for being here today as a guest. I'm so happy you accepted my invitation. Thank you Is for there, having me. Hi, uh, you're welcome. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Uh, just, uh, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about my books and, uh, and many other subjects. 
uh, I don't get it very often, and I, I'm very grateful. Thank you. You're welcome, and I'm glad you were here today. You are welcome back anytime, and do keep me posted on any updates. I'd love to see series lands. Uh, I'm, I know I'm going to see it in a movie or TV somewhere. I just can hardly wait. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone for listening today. Bye. Thank you.